Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. and welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill with me. I have Claire. Hi, Claire. Hi, Jill. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited because today we are going to be talking about YA books with botanical covers. Before we get into that, of course, make sure to follow us on all of our social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok at ProBookNerds. And you can always email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com with any of your favorite YA books with botanical covers. So all that fun stuff out of the way, let's go ahead and jump in. Before we talk about any of the books specifically, you know, we should talk a little bit about what we're talking about. So we've seen this floral print trend in covers come up over the last few years across all you know, reading ages, but it's shifted slightly in the YA space. There's a big uptick in the last few years in covers out of plants and botanicals, almost devouring the subjects on the cover. What are your opinions about the botanical trend we're seeing, Claire? I I am here for it. I feel like teen teen version of me would have been dying to get my hands on any of these covers. I, I for one, am obsessed with anything that dances that fine line between beautiful and scary or delicate and dangerous. And I feel like that is what the covers are promising. That sort of, is the person, you know, safe? Are they being consumed? What is happening here? What is this relationship? And that's kind of the draw of nature too, I think. You know, the beauty of the natural world can sometimes seem like it's a very fragile ecosystem, but there's also power behind it. So I really like that dichotomy and it leaves you questioning which way is the scale going to tip here? I agree. I like that the the delicate and dangerous sort of idea because flowers are so beautiful, but some of these covers are super creepy. Right? (laughs) (laughs) And they give this like, you know, it makes you think I look at flowers in a very different way. And and I've talked before about on this podcast about how much I love poison gardens. And I think these books, some of them sort of fall into that element of they're very beautiful on the outside, but they can be very dangerous if not handled correctly, or if you mistake them for a similar looking plant. Um, so I'm a fan, especially because there's so many different interpretations of these botanical covers, whether it's just they're all over, whether they're very strategically placed. I I love the trend. Absolutely. And I, I don't quite know what the draw is, but you're right. It's so real. Like, like you said, with Poison Gardens, there's one in Northumberland, England, and it's home to more than 100 toxic and deadly plants. And there's literally a sign on the Iron Gate that says, these plants can kill, but I want to go there so badly. <laughs> and there's 
like there's no good reason why human beings should want to go to a place like oh. this where things get harm or kill you but they literally have guided tours and I want to go so I, I think the books have this effect it's like I shouldn't be attracted to this like strange possibly ugly slightly dangerous book but please give it to me okay we'll plan a trip together and we'll go Excellent. to the place and garden in England <laughs> Because I think they're fascinating and and yeah. So let's talk about some of the books. So we have a couple and I do have some. Emma was supposed to join us and wasn't able to, but I have some of her books as well. So what's one of the books on your list? So the first one on my list is Delicious Monsters by Lizelle Sambury. And this one just came out at the end of February, so it's pretty new. It's a psychological thriller that's described as The Haunting of Hill House meets Sadie. So I am officially yes. sold. Please take my money. It's not for the faint of heart, but I think, like we've said, that's sort of the appeal of some of these books as well. So in this one, the premise is Daisy Sees Dead People, which is a challenge in general, but it's particularly an issue in bustling ghost-packed Toronto. Um, she's usually able to deal with her unwanted ability, but she's completely unprepared to be dumped by her boyfriend, and it leaves her totally unmoored. So when her mother inherits a secluded mansion in northern Ontario, where she spent her summer summer during childhood, Daisy jumps in with like the chance to escape and just get away from life, you know, something different. Um, but the house is nothing like Daisy expects, of course, and she begins to realize that her experience with the supernatural might be no match for her mother's secrets, nor what lurks within the house. And then on the flip side of this, a decade later, Brittany is desperate to get out from under the thumb of her abusive mother, who is a best-selling author, who claims that her stay at Miracle Mansion allowed her to see the errors of her ways. But Brittany knows that that's completely a sham. And Brittany decides to start a new season of her popular web series called Haunted, which uncovers what happens to a young Black girl in the mansion 10 years prior which dun dun dun. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. But um, she starts to get wrapped up in the investigation and she has to decide, you know, if I can only bring one story to the light, which is it going to be Daisy's or my own? Um, I personally love a book with parallel timelines that's switching back and forth between two characters that are somehow connected. Um, I love the feeling when you're not really sure how all the pieces fit together, but as you get further and further along, they start to merge and you start to see the outline of how everything's going to come to come together. Also, this cover is incredible. Mm -hmm. Yes. Speaking it takes you of... away from the floral a little bit, which is kind of interesting. You know, it's it, more of a more of a tree, branchy kind of style to it. It is. But sort of what we were talking about with sort of that darker side, you know, so you have the split face kind of looks like she's on like lying on her side and she has a tree in front of her with its branches extended. But then the other like the bottom half uh almost looks like she's decomposing mm -hmm. and the tree has turned into a hand yes like, a little zombified almost a little creaky yes zombified that's the word for it it looks very zombified but i think it still fits with the botanical you know it's true it it's more of a barren approach but yeah. it is more of a barren <laughs> approach but i think it still works um okay so my first one is Horrid by Katrina Leno. Leno. Oh, that's probably Leno. Okay. My first one is Horrid by Katrina Leno. So this is from the author of You Must Not Miss, and it comes a haunting contemporary horror novel that explores themes of mental illness, rage, and grief, twisted with spine-chilling elements of Stephen King and Agatha Christie. So as you said, yes, please take all my money. <laughs> Following her father's death, Jane North Robinson and her mom moved from sunny California to the dreary, dilapidated old house in Maine where her mother grew up. 
I'm sensing a theme with some of these. There seems to be <laughs> a trend within a trend. <laughs> um, all they want is a fresh start, but behind North Manor's doors lurks a history that leaves them feeling more alone and more tormented. As the cold New England autumn arrives and Jane settles into her new home, she finds solace in old books and memories of her dad. She steadily begins making new friends, but also faces bullying from the resident Bad Seed, struggling to tamp down her own worst nature in response. Jane's mom also seems to be spiraling with the return of her childhood home, but she won't reveal why. Then Jane discovers that the quote-unquote storage room her mom has kept locked isn't for storage at all. It's a little girl's bedroom left untouched for years and not quite as empty of inhabitants as it appears. And this was one of those covers I was drawn to because it, I don't, it's just creepy. With... It is horrid. <laughs> <laughs> it is genuinely horrid. It is genuinely <laughs> horrid. Yes. It's this like girl's face and she has covers. She's like surrounded by black roses and two of them are on her eyes. And it's, it's so, it's so creepy. It's so creepy. And yes, horrid. I think the red centers of the black roses yes. almost have a bloody effect to them. They that is really do. uncanny. They do. And it's that it's over her eyes too, in that way that you sort of think with like, it makes me think of with, you know, dead people and putting coins over their eyes. It, mm. it sort of reminds me a little bit of that. Uh, super, super creepy. Well, one of the ones that Emma shared and wanted us to talk about I can get my screen working properly, um, is Blood and Moonlight by Aaron Beattie. So rising above the city of Collis is the Holy Sanctum, and watching over its spears is Katrin, an orphan girl with unique skills, for she alone can spot the building's flaws in construction before they turn deadly. But when Katrin witnesses a murderer escaping the scene of his crime, she's pulled into a dangerous chain of events where the only certainty is that the killer will strike again. Assigned to investigate is the mysterious and brilliant Simon, whose insights into the mind of a predator are frighteningly accurate. As the grisly crimes continue, Katrin finds herself caught between killer and detective while hiding her own secret, a supernatural sight granted by the moon, destined to make her an outcast, and the only thing that might save her and those she loves from becoming the next victims. So I think this is interesting because this is one where... It's a little more pretty. More I have a classic beauty to it. Yes, but it, she's also sort of covered in thorns. It looks like, or they're kind of wrapping around her like ivy or something, which is also adds this element of restraint, uh, like physically being restrained mm -hmm. um, that we don't see. Oh, I just noticed she's like bleeding between some of her fingers. So it's they might be, on the hand. yeah, so they might be thorns after all. Yeah. Very strange. <laughs> <laughs> definitely like more of a romantic look to it than some of the others, but definitely also that danger as well. I know. I think what's interesting to me is that, you know, talking about these books, so many of the botanical trends are ones where uh, the books are like horror or kind of creepy mystery they're not necessarily the happy pretty storylines you would expect to go along with a bunch of flowers on a cover 
I don't know why some of these covers give me vampire vibes just because they're very hypnotic and romantic, but there's also that sense of danger, like this person might be about to be devoured and just doesn't know it yet, <laughs> but like sort of a gothic romance horror element to it. Yes, I think that's the gothic. That is definitely a little bit of what it feels like. There's like a lot of gothic elements happening in these and yeah, but they're also, they are pretty, like they mm-hmm. are beautiful in their weird, twisted, creepy way, even though they're all pretty flowers. <laughs> <laughs> the, the combination, they go together. It's the combination. <laughs> it's the combination. Yeah. So what else do you have for us? Next on my list is This Poison Heart by Kaylin Bayron. Briseis has a gift. With a single touch, she can grow plants from tiny seeds to rich blooms. When her aunt dies and leaves her a dilapidated estate in rural New York, again, I'm See? sensing this trend, this trend escaping your life and, you know, finding a sort of rundown mansion in the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> Brie and her parents hope that being surrounded by plants and flowers, she'll finally learn to control her gift in this new environment. But their new home is sinister in ways they never expected. It comes with a mysterious set of instructions, a walled garden filled with the deadliest botanicals in the world, which sign us up. We That's that, that our, our vacation yeah, coming up right there. there you go. <laughs> and generations of secrets. But there's more to Brie's sudden inheritance than she could have imagined, and she is determined to uncover it. This one is the first one in the series, and the second one, This Wicked Fate, came out in June last year. Um, and Caitlin Baron is also the author of Cinderella's Dead, which, interestingly enough, also has a botanical cover. So sure just does. keeps keeps going through. Um, I love the idea of plants and the power of plants as like a gift or superpower. Like I'm a big Poison Ivy fan. The girl from Sky High who could control the plants was absolutely the coolest to me. I just think it's a very interesting power. Um, And I I think this cover is kind of different than some of the others that we've looked at too, because this character seems very much in control. Um, She's very center and surrounded by, you know, thorns and vines and botanicals but they're not consuming her she seems like she is very much in charge and looking pretty cool agreed this looks like someone who has harnessed the power of the plants in a way Mm -hmm. and isn't the one being harnessed by them if that makes sense it's a nice refreshing shift a little bit a little variety a little bit (laughs) yes now what do we think about the like house situation there's really something here, isn't there? <laughs> it's I almost think there like is. you es- it's an escape from the city, escape from the real world. It's almost oh. like you're being it's an escape into nature. And like, I don't know. There's something about these I, again, the dichotomy of like the life of the plants, but the decay of these houses that mm. they sort of go together. I'm not quite sure what it is, but I'm here for it. Oh yeah, no, I love a creepy <laughs> house. No. Yes, that's one of my favorites. I just I don't think when I I didn't quite realize how many were playing into these different botanical stories. Right. <laughs> and I'm so intrigued by it because they a lot of them, it seems to be that they're dilapidated or maybe neglected homes. Yes, out in rural areas, um, which I guess would sort of set up a situation where nature is kind of overtaken. Right. Maybe this idea like it's not cultivated or gardened. Mm. It's very much just natural state of power and wild. Yeah. Overgrown. Yeah. Overgrown. Yeah. I think I follow some of those different Instagram accounts, which are abandoned places. Oh, yes. And (laughs) every so often, you know, it's like in Jurassic Park, life will find a way. Plants will find a way. (laughs) They'll figure it out. They'll overgrow everywhere. (laughs) 
<laughs> um. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Science! 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 Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist Podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes. Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes. Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes... Yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast. Okay, well, my next one is The Sacrifice by Rin Chupico. This is um, an island oasis turns deadly when a terrifying legend threatens to kill off visitors one by one, which sure, let's do it. I'm, I'm all about islands, natural terror, pristine beaches, lush greenery, and perfect weather. The island is of Kisamata would be the vacation destination if not for the curse. The Filipino locals speak of it in hushed voices and refuse to step foot on the island. They know the lives of it has claimed. They won't be next. A Hollywood film crew won't be dissuaded. Legend claims a dreamer god sleeps, waiting to grant unimaginable powers in exchange for eight sacrifices. The producers are determined to document the evidence, and they convince Alan, a local teen, to be their guide. Within minutes of their arrival, a giant sinkhole appears, revealing a giant ballot tree with a mummified corpse entwined in its gnarled branches and the crew start seeing strange visions. Alon knows they are falling victim to the island's curse. If Alon can convince them to leave, there's no telling who will survive or how much the dreamer god will destroy. What I like about this cover is that it's just full-on terror nature <laughs> coming at you. <laughs> no ambiguity. Something there's, bad is happening here. <laughs> correct. There is no, this is not really romantic. This is, someone's got like, creepy i don't know if they're the mummified hands nature hands if they're the dream or the god hands but like covering all you see of the space is the mouth and part of the nose and it almost feels like whoever the owner of the hands are is like pulling them this person back into Mm -hmm. into the the greenery which is creepy to think about i think the fact that it's brightly covered colored also makes it creepy you know it's like bright pinks and greens it is got the midsummer sort of (laughs) horror element to it it does you're right because so much of the other ones it's more muted colors or they're not quite so gray tones yeah or gray tones they're not quite so poppy this like this pops um but there yeah there's no ambiguity this is not a (laughs) not a good story things bad things are going to happen here 
the description, it sounds like things take a turn immediately as well. Like there's, there's no question. <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, not at all. Um, and I like this idea of like a Hollywood film crew and sort of deciding that they're above it all and they're going to be fine. <laughs> the rules don't apply to me. <laughs> the rules don't apply to me. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Not a problem. All right. Well, one of Emma's next ones is Foxglove by Adeline Grace. This is the sequel to Belladonna, which also has very fun floral cover. So in Foxglove, which I should say is not out until August, but you know, you can put it on hold now. You have time to read Belladonna before it comes out. So we're all set. So a duke has been murdered. The Lord of Thorngrove has been framed and fate, the elusive brother of death has taken up residence in the sumptuous estate nearby. He's hell bent on revenge after death took the life of a woman he loved many years ago. And now he's determined to have Signa for himself, no matter the cost. Signa and her cousin Blythe are certain that fate can save Elijah Hawthorne from wrongful imprisonment if the girls will entertain fate's presence. But the more time they spend with him, the more frightening their reality becomes as Signa exhibits dramatic new powers that link her to fate's past. With mysterious and with mysteries and change around every corner, the cousins must decide whom they can trust as they navigate their futures in high society. Unravel the murders that haunt their family and play fate's unexpected games, all with their destinies hanging in the balance. So this one, the the flowers play, again, that sort of like gothic romantic look with the flowers as uh, a mask almost I mean you know that's a mask it's definitely a mask <laughs> this was gorgeous it's definitely like that sort of masquerade look to it yes it is a really pretty cover and very glamorous you know she has her makeup done she looks very like focused looking straight forward and the delicate flowers just forming their mask around her like the one eye look too yes yeah it's like sort of that half face and shadow and the flowers in her hair and and everything like that yeah you're right. It is very glamorous. I think that's what's interesting to me about all of these books is that, you know, the theme is just like botanical covers, but they cover mm-hmm. so many different genres. Right. I feel like my instinct is to immediately call it sort of a creepy trend, but then I see these I'm like, wait, no, it's not. It's, it's not it's broader. <laughs> it's broader than that. I'm very limited in what I'm looking at, but it's it's got the romance. It's got the beauty. It's got all of that too. Um, yes, very much like flowers themselves. <laughs> <laughs> multi-purpose. 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 Um, all right. Well, what else do you have for us? My next one is House of Hollow by Crystal Sutherland. This one is a dark and twisty modern fairy tale. Um, Iris Hollow and her two older sisters are unquestionably strange. Ever since they disappeared from a suburban street in Scotland as children, only return to return a month later with no memory of what happened to them, odd eerie occurrences seem to follow in their wake. And they're changing. First, their dark hair turns white, and then their blue eyes slowly turn black. They have insatiable appetites, yet they never gain weight, and people find them disturbingly intoxicating, unbearably beautiful, and inexplicably dangerous. But now, 10 years later, 17-year-old Iris is doing all she can do to fit in and graduate high school on time, something her two famously glamorous, globe-trotting older sisters, Gray and Vivi, never managed to do. 
But when Gray goes missing without a trace, leaving behind bizarre clues as to what might have happened, Iris and Vivi are left to trace her last few days. They aren't the only ones looking for her, though. As they brush against the supernatural, they realize that the story they've been told about their past is unraveling, and the world that they returned the, excuse me, the world that returns them seemingly unharmed 10 years ago might just be calling them home. I, I don't know what it is about supernatural kidnappings, but to me, that's the ultimate creep factor. There's something just so uncanny about it. You know, it's like, is this, is this above board? Is this like, what, is this a phase situation? Is this a goblin situation? Where are we going here? There's something about that that I just find incredibly uncanny and creepy. Agreed. It's probably the Fae. It's almost always the Fae. I'm going to doubt it's the Fae. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I, that's true. Like, what is it? There is something about supernatural kidnappings. Especially when, you know, you're returned with no memory. It's like, ooh. Well, yeah, that <laughs> that especially. But I, I think it's that, you know, it's that it's something that, can and does happen in the real world to people, but it adds this unexpected element that you can't have any control over. Mm-hmm. And this is another, in my opinion, creepy cover. Like, it is a creepy I cover. Be- I think because it's almost classically beautiful, like the flowers are some of the more normal flowers we've looked at. They're sort of pastel-y looking, mm-hmm. um, but then you get the little bugs in there and what, I can't tell if this is sap or blood that's like coming from this girl's face, maybe obviously oh, either, um, but it looks like the flowers are almost sprouting out of a cut in her face, which is very creepy. I had not considered sap. You're right. It's difficult to say. <laughs> but But that's a good point that it could be sap. And the bugs also, like the bugs add this weird to me element of you know like you find bugs on the ground so Mm has she been buried like where did the bugs come from Mm -hmm. and they're not like consuming her or anything like that they're just sort of daintily placed which is also kind of like she's not she doesn't look like she's bothered by anything that's happening right now like the bugs are not a concern of hers Um, correct but you're right it's sort of an earthiness to it that you're like yes "Where, where have you been I also noticed, you know, the character Iris, Iris is a flower. So that's also an interesting oh. element to this thing is that the the character is also named after a flower in addition to the botanical co- cover. Brings it in a, another level. There you go. It's layered. <laughs> Layer there. Um, all right. Well, my next one is Where Darkness Blooms by Andrea Hanna. The town of Bishop is known for exactly two things, recurring windstorms and an endless field of sunflowers that stretches further than the eye can see, and women, missing women. So when three more women disappear one stormy night, no one in Bishop is surprised. The case is closed and their daughters are left to their dusty shared house with the shattered pieces of their lives. Until the wind kicks up a terrible secret as their mother's much-delayed memorial. When se- with secrets comes the lies each of the girls is forced to confront. After caring for the other girls, Delilah would like to move on with her boyfriend, Bennett, but she can't bear his touch. Whitney has already lost both her mother and her girlfriend, Eleanor, and now her only solace is an old weather vane that seems to whisper to her. Jude, Whitney's twin sister, would rather ignore it all, but the wind kicks up her secret too. The summer fling she had with Delilah's boyfriend— 
And more than anything, Bo wants answers and she wants them now. Something happened to their mothers and the townsfolk know what it was. She's sure of it. Bishop has always been a strange town, but what the girls don't know is that Bishop was founded on blood and now it craves theirs. Um, so this cover, <laughs> creepy. This is creepy. There's a lot um, going on here. <laughs> there's a lot going on here. It um, sort of reminds me a bit of the the first one we talked about where, I mean, there are flowers, but it they're like, it, they look like sunflowers who all of the petals have been plucked out of. Um, and so it's, it's botanical, but it's more like a tree looking variety. And then there's like roots or something coming out of her face. Yeah. There's almost like that sense of decay, even though it's yes. alive, but is it? Question is mark? it though? <laughs> and then um, a, like a leaf is covering up her eye and I don't know what it is, but eyes being covered up. It creeps me out. Yes. Yes. There's the, the question of, you know, are you okay? What is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> I think also it's, to me, extra creepy because she looks so serene. You know, there's something happening here yeah. and it's like, are you, are you, have you just given yourself into whatever this transformation is? Are you like, are you with us? What, what is the situation here? It leaves Correct. a lot of questions that makes me want to open that book. Yes. Well, we have one more from Emma, but before I get to it, I want to ask all of the, I think like all of the ones we've talked about have been horror or horror adjacent. Mm-hmm. So why do you think so many of these, like why why would cover designers choose flowers for horror novels, do you think? That's a good question. I mean, for me, it just so piques my curiosity. Like, I think especially if you go in knowing that it's a dark mm-hmm. or a horror book, that sense of either beauty that's turned to decay or beauty overgrown or some sort of that natural element there's something about that that it feels sinister I think when like especially when you have a human figure in the cover as well that it seems to be either overpowered by the flowers or overpowered by nature it just creates a sense of foreboding I think you know it's like something something is awry here the power dynamic has shifted um like the the natural over the civilized world has Mm. prevailed. There's something about that that I think is just, I think it ties in, like we sort of talked about with that almost haunted house vibe, you know, all this this trend of the abandoned homes. There's something that makes you want to dig a little deeper and see what's going on. Yeah. It's interesting. It's just, I'm just so curious, like as, obviously I'm not a cover designer. I don't do art, (laughs) but just sort of thinking about it, in in terms of like you know when you look at other so these are all and these are all YA books that's specifically we're talking about mm-hmm. but like adult horror you wouldn't necessarily find um flowers on the cover and I wonder if it's an audience thing too right that's you know point. Like the, I don't know maybe the transformation of age you know mm-hmm. the adult is a period of transformation that's like, true like growing yeah as well I'm also always fascinated by cover trends in general like at what point does it become a trend who who were the first people who just thought you know let's just do let's just do something different and then it just catches on you know that's a good point too yeah yeah I think cover trends are so interesting to track because it is a question of like when does it start what's the peak and then who decides when it's over 
<laughs> like <laughs> the readers decide when it's over. I mean, TikTok. is that good? <laughs> yeah, TikTok. TikTok decides when trends are over. <laughs> 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 um, but this this definitely is a trend that seems to have picked up within the last couple of years where all of a sudden so many YA and YA horror books especially are featuring these botanical covers, which is just so interesting. So Emma's last pick is The Depths by Nicole Lesperance. And this is one of those covers which, as we've discussed, is both really, really pretty, but also has this ominous feeling to it where you pick it up and you can kind of tell you're like "Mm, something seems off here so Ulali Island should be paradise but to Addie Addie Spencer it's more like a prison forced to tag along to the remote island on her mother's honeymoon Addie isn't thrilled about being trapped there for two weeks the island is stunning with its secluded beaches and forests full of white flowers but there's something eerie and unsettling about the place after Addie meets an enigmatic boy in the beach, all the flowers start turning pink. I think this is the first one where we've had flowers actually play a role specifically in the description. Mm. I can't remember if any, oh, well, no, I guess the poison heart did. Like, yeah. From a sort of power standpoint. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so all the flowers start turning pink. The island loves you, he tells her, but she can't stop sleepwalking at night. The birds keep calling her name, and there's a strange little girl in the woods who wants to play hide and seek. When Addie learns about her two sis- learns about two sisters who died on the island centuries ago, she wonders if there's more to this place, things only she can see. Beneath its gorgeous surface, the island is hiding dark, tangled secrets. And if Addie doesn't unravel them soon, the island might never let her go. Well, so the cover definitely matches the idea of like pink flowers and all of them mm-hmm. turning pink. We've got some bugs again as well. We do have some bugs. And these, these are creepy. These are like, these look like bugs that could harm you. <laughs> some ominous bugs. I think the other creepy thing about this one is like, this girl is clearly conscious and afraid. You yes. know, yes. like I feel like a lot of the other ones, like you said, with the covered eyes, there's the ambiguity of like, are you present? Are you aware? This one, she's very much aware that she is in a bad situation. <laughs> you can see it in her eye. Correct. Yeah. She's got, again, like that half, that eye half in shadow. So you're not really sure what is behind her and the way she's like very just directly looking at you as a reader. And sort of being like, help me, please. Please pull me out of this. (laughs) Please pull me out of this. And meanwhile, yes, there are all these bugs surrounding her that, again, some of those spiders look poisonous. I don't know anything about poisonous bugs, but those look poisonous to me. When in doubt, (laughs) just just to clear. When in doubt, they just, they don't, those do not look like like harmless little spiders. Those look like bad spiders. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Surrounded by these beautiful pink flowers. (laughs) Um... Well, Claire, any final thoughts on YA botanical books, covers? You know, the more we talk about it, the more I'm here for it. <laughs> like, I agree. I feel like we, I, I naturally am drawn to YA horror, YA thriller, something with a creep factor to it. I just really enjoy, I think, especially YA, they do it very well. And the more we talk about all of these and like discover some of the other trends of hauntings, maybe like emotional disturbances and personal issues and ghosts. I, I just am correct. I'm, I want to explore it more. I really want to keep diving in even further. You know what? That's actually kind of ties back, I think, to my question about 
putting them putting flowers on these YA horror covers um and the audience is that all of these books for the most part I would say would be geared towards girl teenagers and I feel like horror as a genre is most often associated with men true yes and so I like this idea of these of like YA writers aiming this genre specifically towards teenage girls because like I mean the horror I read when I was that age was like Stephen King because there wasn't really horror aimed at me directly sure that's a good way to think of it drawing in a new audience yeah drawing in a different perspective that's yes. a really good point yeah and putting covers on there that might you know because again if you see this teenage girl on all of these covers in this creepy or romantic or beautiful depending on the cover or all of the above (laughs) or all of the above yes you might be drawn in more as a reader than you would with a different cover I think you're right I think it opens up more avenues for readership and it also doesn't hide the fact that it's horror it really leans in yes you know it's not as if it's trying to sell itself as anything other than what it is it's just a different lens (laughs) That is very true. And I think that's what's so great about horror in general is the different lenses you can look at it through. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Claire, thanks so much for coming on to talk botanical YA covers with me. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an evergreen podcast signature program. To learn about other evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcast.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer, Jill Grunewald, and Joe Skelly, and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.